Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. I'm Kylie. And on today's episode, we talk about the lighthouse. Here we are. We did it, everybody. We got it. The lighthouse opened here. We're very excited. We like. We thought it wasn't gonna happen, and then it happened. We did it. Uh, um, how was your how's your lighthouse celebration? What did, what did you do for Lighthouse Day? I went to the movie. Oh, that's a good celebration for Lighthouse Day. <laughs> Letterbox is really messed up. Okay, what's wrong with Letterbox right now? Oh, it's it's having a moment. Uh, Letterbox may be down as the moment of this recording. Oh, no, I did it again. It's okay. working. It didn't even give you that screen where it's like, where it shows you the gremlins. Yeah, I couldn't even load that. Yeah, and they're like, wow, there's gremlins in the site right now. And which, it's like, which is like two comedy points. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I think the more times I saw it, the less comedy points it got. Maybe you should just get a better working internet. Well, sometimes Letterboxd was having a real... It was on the struggle bus for a good couple months while they were updating some things. Oh, you know. Wow, the great. Best black and white films. Hmm. Uh, no. What? No. The, the, what? the Liam Neeson's The Grey? No, it's the showdown on Letterboxd right now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I understand what's happening. I literally thought somebody was like, The Grey is the best black and white film. And I was like, that he fights wolves, guys. Yeah, I like that film. It's not the worst Liam Neeson fights things movie. Let's be honest. I'm trying to think of other Liam Neeson fights things movies. There's, there's Taken. Taken. Unstoppable. Uh huh. Nonstop. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, the commuter. The commuter. Mm-hmm. Run all night. Okay. A walk uh, among the tombs. Oh yeah. Uh huh. That's a good one. That one's slightly different. He's not just punching things in that one. He's crying. He, he does some research before he punches them. He has a small child sidekick. You know, th- th- there's nuance to it. I don't know if you're waiting for me to respond. I'm just... <laughs> Letting you go. You're just gonna see how far I'm gonna go down with this. Yeah. This bit. I don't. I don't have. I don't have much more on this Liam Neeson bit. Uh, Kylie. Yes. I do have an inquiry for you. Best black and white film. That was not my inquiry, but we can totally talk about it. There's Psycho, Twelve Angry Men, Casablanca, Schindler's List, King and Romos, Doctor Strange, Love, Raging Bull, Seven Seven. Okay, so like. I think you have to qualify that question because it's, I think there's a real difference in like considering black and white films for when they were a predominant media art form and or the only option um, and a modern one where you're making a specific choice. So uh, are we talking like modern ones or are we talking like classic ones? Are we talking that or yes. is Letterboxd talking Well, that? I'm assuming Letterboxd is just saying all of them, period, end of story. Modern Schindler's List. Okay, that's a good answer. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Your answer is Roma. 
Or your answer is Francis Ha. Yeah, I think my answer is Francis Ha. Or your answer uh, is Cold War. I haven't seen Cold War yet. Wow, that's... You should see it. It's a real you film. Is it? Yeah. Do I get to count Strangelove? Or is Strangelove... St- oh, 64. It's hard w- to say. I would... Yeah. <laughs> Strangelove's probably about the line. Okay. Um, but I will say that you can count Strangelove because I'm pretty sure the rest of his canon is in color. Um, and so he very specifically makes the choice to be a black and white there. So, yeah. But the 60s is about the line where, like, we move towards predominant color films. And so any black and white film beyond that is is a, is a specific choice. Or budget. <laughs> I was going to say, or you can't afford. Yeah. You can't afford people to come in and color it in for you. <laughs> that's how it works, right? People just get, like, Sharpies and they're, like, they just color each individual frame. And that's what I believe whenever they do those Shirley Temple re-releases oh, and they're, like, gosh. now in color. And I'm, like, so did someone just go in and color it? No, they probably did those in paint. Like, that's <laughs> what they did those in. Those look so awful. I hate it when they do it to, like, I'm trying to think of which film. There's one that I was watching recently where they're like, there's a version in color, too. And it's usually to, like... Logan? <laughs> no, they did the opposite there. Um, it's usually they'll do it to, like, this, like, really classic, like, noir black and white film where, like, the shadows are really important. We were talking and about it there... for House on Haunted Hill. There's what it was. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, no. The black and white aspect is actually really important to this film. Um, I also think the black and white aspect is important to the lighthouse. So, you know, look at that. Robert Eggers, good job. Made a made a choice. Choice that worked out. He made quite a few of them, if I'm being honest with you all. Yeah. Ropat? <laughs> Ropat's mustache? Ropat's arms? <laughs> I like your text <laughs> where you were like, did you notice Ropat's arms? And I was like, well, I noticed they existed. <laughs> but beyond that, no. <laughs> they had some muscle on them. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> did you, like, my text following is important because I say that he doesn't look like he slept in every interview. He never looks like he slept in eight days. And all he's had to drink is, like, a Red Bull and a pack of cigarettes or something. Yeah, no, this is somehow the healthiest Robert Pattinson has ever looked. Like, no, he's pretty emaciated in in the Harry Potter film. Twilight? He, like, gangly and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, he's in those things, too. He's a sparkly vampire. He doesn't look all that healthy there, either. They're, like, paling him out. he's, like, pale. Yeah. Mm Hmm. You know, and at least in Cedric, he's just a gangly kid. Who touches water. The mermaids protect him. There's no water. This is the first time ever. I want you to know that the mermaids aren't real. They're CGI. Whoa. So just like the water. Some of it. However, there is a shot where he (laughs) definitely comes to the surface of the lake and he is in water. So actually, that's uh, sugar glass water. Stop Uh, talking. So, like, much like any other time you break through something on a film set, it's not actual thing. It's, it's sugar glass. You know. Kylie, 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 put down the kerosene. Put, put it down. Put down the... What, stop trying to explode me with your mind. No, I'm trying to make myself pass out. No, come back, Kylie. <laughs> come back. Uh, 
stop it with the kerosene. <laughs> oh, that was a good bit <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> Here's what I'll say about this film. Uh-huh. It reminded me of Stanley Kubrick, but if Stanley Kubrick had, like, a sense of humor. Because <laughs> this film was... Yes, no, this film <laughs> was hilarious. <laughs> um, It was a bit heavy. <laughs> <laughs> there is some bits. And I think it's because Robert Eggers is like, this film is bleak. Willem! Give me some bits. <laughs> He's like on it. I got you. I got all the bits. Here's a bit for you, a bit for you. Ah, would you like a bit, sir? Here's a bit. Uh, my inquiry oh, was... What's a... your favorite bit? <laughs> what's your favorite bit? Period. End of story. Uh, what's your favorite Willem Dafoe? <laughs> like performance? Yes. No, like... Yes. <laughs> Were you not? Because <laughs> um... I said to you before we started recording that I think that The Lighthouse may be top two or three Willem Dafoe. Like, I, I actually think he's extremely excellent in this movie. Robert Pattinson, also really good in this movie. But, like, something about what Dafoe was doing just really, like, elevated this whole thing and I guess kept me kind of connected into it. Um, Finding Nemo. <laughs> that's a good answer. That's a good performance. I know. That's why yeah. I said it with all sincerity and your immediate reaction was to laugh. Okay, that's because the moment you said Finding Nemo, I was going through his filmography and saw Mr. Bean's Holiday. <laughs> yeah. And you were like, oh, Kylie! <laughs> Kylie, come on! Um... Willem Dafoe is a very interesting uh, bit actor. <laughs> like the the less I have of him, the more I like him. You just need just, just a touch of Dafoe. That's all you need. Well, yeah. Think about that film he's in called Fault in Our Stars, and then he. Ah, oh, good times. Um. Well, it's probably the Florida Project. Yeah. Because out of everyone there, somehow Willem Dafoe is our ray of light. And if you can do that, Willem, wow, you're doing something really good. I really like the Florida Project because I think it distills what I really like about Willem Dafoe into, like, an actual part. Because I love a lot of his, because I was looking through his filmography, and a lot of his performances are just, like, he pops up here to do a little thing or a scene here or there, and then it just, like, goes away. Oh, oh he, he John Wicks it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so you're like when you're watching the first John Wick which was made on a shoestring budget it's yeah. like oh oh this went to to Willem and Keanu <laughs> um I do love how I was listening to an interview with him around the time of the Florida Project and they asked how he got involved with Sean Baker because when he got involved it, Sean Baker is or was a relatively small unknown filmmaker who just had Tangerine under his belt um, and that's similar with Robert Eggers as well. Um, and Willem Dafoe as an actor, he was saying that he really likes to do projects with artists on the rise. And he likes to help um, be a part of their early vision and then keep working with them if it's a good solid relationship. But like he loves to uh, challenge 
and to express himself in those new ways. So, like, yes, he will do a studio film here or there, but he really has to believe in the vision. That's also why he, in the same interview, said, like, that's why he worked with James Wan. In, that's why he wanted to be in Aquaman, was because Wan had a really distinctive, clear vision that he was trying to put forward. And so the project itself isn't always the most important thing, as much as the artist and the vision that they're trying to execute, because he wants to try to be in just different forms of art. He's he has a theater background um and he just that's what he loves to be kind of experimental in, in the way that he does things so yeah i like that about him man can i for a long time my favorite one was just spider-man when he was the green goblin i was like this is a good one like it's just solid um it is not by any means his best performance um i still think i might stand for um his vampire in Shadow of the Vampire. Uh, I think that's just, it's a really interesting and unique, just crazy kind of bonkers, creepy performance. His first Oscar nom. His first Oscar nom. There and it is. And then we forgot about him until the Florida Project, and then At Eternity Skates, and then he's going to win for the Lighthouse. Come on. Come on. Who, I mean, who, who else are we looking at right now? For best supporting actor. Uh, I think Pitt is the lead candidate right now. Oh, I was like, who's Pitt? <laughs> Brad Pitt. I was yes. like, Pitbull? Pitbull? <laughs> yes. A, a Pitbull pit pal just yes. as Pitbull? Uh, Pitbull, uh, Ludacris, uh, Tyrese. Um... Frank Grillo, and of course, <laughs> John Cho. Evans. Oh, okay. <laughs> John, what has John Cho been in this year? I don't know. I don't think anything. I think he has something coming out. He has something coming out. I yeah. saw his name on... It's not coming out this year. I remember what I saw his name on. What is it? The Grudge remake. Oh. By a director who had note in my brain. And then I saw he was doing this. And I thought, why is he doing this? Let me be less vague and let me actually All right, figure out fair who enough. it is. I, man, John Cho, like... I, I was so... I'm excited for his career. I want him to not do horror movies. I mean, he can do them if he wants to. Like, power to you, buddy. But, like, you're you're doing some interesting things with Columbus and, like, Searching, which was a small kind of horror-ish film. But, like, come on, man. Oh, never mind. This was not a director who had any note in my mind. It was a director who had anti-note in my mind. Oh, no. <laughs> so, well, I guess that's over with. Well. Josh, I've been stuck on this Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas review. Okay. Because I'm trying to, I don't know. I find the I find the film ironic. <laughs> it's so ironic. <laughs> because <laughs> what's up, Josh? I was like really fighting the urge to not just start quoting Alanis Morissette at you. So like, that's what that face was. <laughs> well, and I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to build a narrative because the book that it's based on is all about commenting on the failure of the counterculture of the '60s. It's Hunter S. Thompson, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and how the film Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is a failure to, <laughs> is a failure to, um, remark on the failure of the <laughs> counterculture of the 60s. There it is. There it is. We got there. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to mold that somehow. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Just that sentence right there. I know. I, can I say something about Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Yes. I don't. I, we didn't watch it with subtitles because I did not allow that. Okay. Um, and the reason is, is because if you are going to hire Benicio Del Toro, the mumbler 
of us all. Uh-huh. And you are going to hire Johnny Depp and stick a cigarette in his mouth uh-huh. that he can then not open his teeth his entire performance. Mm-hmm. We don't deserve to know what is being <laughs> said. We gotta survive on the visuals yeah. alone. It's a Terry Gilliam film, right? Is that the 12 Monkeys guy? Uh, yes, and of other things, but is that... <laughs> yes, it's him. Okay. Because he's also... His original career starts in Monty Python. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was then... like the only American... He was the only non-British person in Monty Python. Yes, yeah. And then he's got a very... He's also got Brazil. He's and... a very... He, he's someone that has tried to push cinema forward in, so. in interesting ways. And I can see that in Fear and Loathing yeah. in Las Vegas. Um, there are certain visuals themselves that aren't the issue. But overall, the story doesn't... Come together. It's a very cult... But wait, yes. <laughs> it's, got, it's a very, like, cult film. I'm trying to say that without it being like, it's about a cult. <laughs> but, I mean, like, that's not, I know, what, I mean, I think we cult film, meaning like it's an yeah. underground kind of hit film. Um, it's very, like, I was watching it and I was like, yeah, yeah, people are gonna like this. It's gonna be people. It's kind of for a long time, um, it was that, it was like, Fight Club? Uh-huh. Boondocks? Fear and Loathing. Loathing. Those are the three posters. And I think Fear and Loathing, though I don't love the film either. I watched it once in college. Um, and I felt really similarly. I was like, Gilliam, as always, is trying to do interesting things and push cinema forward and do... I like his vision and view and take. But Hunter S. Thompson as a figure on film, I'm not sure has ever been successfully analyzed and or even portrayed because Depp comes back to him in The Rum Diaries, um, which is an even worse film. Um, and that's even worse because it's so bland. Um, and so I, it would be interesting to look at Hunter S. Thompson in a different, having a different person in a different point of view. And because the failure of counterculture is, an, or the perceived failure, whichever way you want to take that, is an interesting film topic. And I think that that has long reverberating repercussions into even today. But I'm not sure if Fear and Loathing as a film does that. Mm-hmm. But Benicio. Yeah. He was doing his thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, well, I think about what's, what, what's better about Benicio being weird versus Johnny Depp being weird is that um, Benicio feels weird with a purpose and Johnny Depp is just walking around with a lizard tail. <laughs> And those are my thoughts. That has been your very <laughs> TED talk. Yes. Um, I like comparing those two actors in that way of because I think Benicio is has a really unique and almost strange presence on screen. Yeah, you see him in the Last Jedi. Uh, but like, oh gosh. Is he gonna be in the new one? I doubt it. I really hope he is. I hope that DJ's the one that like blows up the Death Star. <laughs> well, and that's not yeah, on his letterbox. Yeah, so sorry. JJ was like, "Hey, Benicio, see you later." That's rude. Yeah, probably. 
Um, wow, have you heard about this new film that Wes Anderson's gonna do next year? Here's what... Okay, <laughs> no. No. Do you want to know the only thing that I... How I found out that Wes Anderson had a film coming out next year? I just said it. <laughs> uh, that's the second notice that I've had of it. The first one was I was listening to an interview with Elizabeth Moss on a podcast recently who has a small role... In that film. Oh, probably with Willem Dafoe and Adrian Brody and Owen Wilson <laughs> oh, and Henry mean... Winkler and Kate Winslet and Bob Balaban. Wait, wait, wait. The Fonz is in this? Yeah. Yes. And Saoirse Ronan. Yep. <laughs> I mean, this is just his crew so far. Jeffrey Wright. Did he get Tony Ravioli back? No, I have the one that's... I have the... New... Now let's see him. Oh. I have the one that's gonna, like, blow your mind. Okay. Chalamet. Timothée does belong in there! And do you know who is the first one listed on Letterboxd? Swinton. Oh. Oh, Tilda. <laughs> it's a Swinton. It might be a love between Tilda Swinton and Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're mother and son. Here, maybe that's actually what that is. Okay, let's see. <laughs> nope, I don't have their names yet. Okay, yeah. Here's what I got, okay? okay yeah. It's called The French Dispatch. Okay, great. Yeah, that's what all I got. Uh-huh. The picture, the poster is a um, newspaper. Uh-huh. Okay. There's a picture of Chalamet, and then it says, love letters to journalists. <laughs> so I think that, I think it's a romance between the two of them. Did you? Oh, no, it centers on three storylines. Never mind. It's going to be one of those films. <laughs> Never mind. Kylie's <laughs> out. Wes Anderson's dumb. We're out of here. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care anymore. I'm so sorry. I mean... Benicio Del Toro's also in it. Is, has, has he been in a, an Anderson? I don't think so. I thought you were going to go, I don't... <laughs> think so? <laughs> is... Did you listen... Is Adrian Brody in there? Yes. Yes! I, I made a good joke about Adrian Brody on Thursday, and I don't remember what it was. But we were looking for, like... We, we couldn't figure out the person's name, and so I was like, Adrian Brody? <laughs> you were on fire on Thursday. That's, like, you were just having a good roll. That's because I hadn't been around adults in a while. <laughs> I sure love my job, but sometimes it is nice to have adult conversations and not have to talk about math or college or, you know, thinking about future in the moment. So the lighthouse... <laughs> Yeah, so The Lighthouse um, is a strange film. <laughs> um, okay, two things. Hey, friends, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so at Brendan. What, what was our question? It was like black and white films, <laughs> and then it was like uh, Willem Dafoe performances. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. there we go. I yeah, took yeah, that seriously. Yeah, yeah. You got two of them there. Look at that. Uh, hey friends, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, which leaves a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. One, the, the, oh, what's the sound? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> uh, that helps us, that specifically helps us get more listeners. You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. And now on with the show. Uh, second thing. We normally do a spoilers and a not spoilers section. However, here's what I'm going to say. We are only going to have a spoilers section because the marketing of this film has been really solid to release 
absolutely nothing of the plot of this film. I disagree. I saw something on Twitter yesterday. I'm going to see if I can find it. Okay. Continue. And so I'm going to say this. I think that Kylie and I will start out our conversation and be a little bit more vague, but as we move on, there are going to be elements that we talk about that I think have been really hidden in this film that are considered spoilers if you don't know anything about it. So at this point, I would just say... If you haven't seen The Lighthouse, come back to us when you have if you want to watch The Lighthouse. Uh, we can give you a very brief, like, thumbs up, thumbs down right now before you go away. Kylie, thumbs up, thumbs down. If you wish Kubrick was funny and you wish that Paddington was Willem Dafoe with a beard and didn't have any of the qualities of Paddington other than the outfit, this is the film for you. So what you're saying is, if nautical nonsense be something you wish, then the lighthouse? No, they're not on the nautics. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough, yes. Uh, no, it's crazy bonkers, but good. I recommend if you're in for a wacky time. Not fun wacky. Okay. Wow, Rob Sest. <laughs> Who? Oh, it's a DVD, Rob Sest. <laughs> oh my gosh. What is that? Oh, that's a DVD all about how I'm. we're obsessed with Robert. Well, aren't we all? Yeah. I'm not, really. What? I mean, just so you know. Why do you hate Robert Pattinson? I don't hate Robert Pattinson. I actually enjoy his career choices. Now? Now. Alright. Um, and listen, I'm not gonna blame him for taking a giant franchise. Everybody takes a giant franchise. I just... Maybe... Maybe... Not not my fave, but I like him when he's doing good work. I'll say that. Okay. Yeah. Do you support my love of him? Oh, absolutely. Okay. You love Ropat. I remember two years ago after seeing um, Good Time, I was like, Robert Pattinson's my boy. And you were like, when did this happen? <laughs> this is not, this doesn't make sense. And I was like, Josh, he's running. <laughs> it was a good time. I think... I think like like okay, Ropat can like he's he's had his year and like his trial. He can he's now in your boys. Like this is what it is. Him and Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the next Safi Brothers movie. <laughs> so maybe it's just the Safi Brothers. <laughs> no, yeah, their next film is just called Good Gems. Oh man, what if they're in the same universe? Cut times. <laughs> Uncut times. Uncut times. Yeah. yeah. There you go. You put both of the movies side by side next to each other. And you just In one year you play Good Time and the other year you play Uncut Gems. Do you watch them on like two screens? No, on the same screen. Okay. But it's just split in the Okay, middle. great. Perfect. Ooh, do you want the really trippy experience? Reverse the headphones. Oh, man. <laughs> Adam Sandler sounds like Robert Pattinson. <laughs> <laughs> I think right. this is an experience. We're gonna do this like all those nut jobs that did the whole move room two thirty seven. I heard a take on that movie. Okay. That I did not expect before, and maybe if I went in with that mindset, my thing would change. But the podcast I was listening to was talking about The Shining, and they said that documentary is great, not because of what the people, not because of the theories that the people have, but it's because it's a documentary about obsessed people who come up with zany ideas and so it's more about commenting on them and my what i remember is that we don't ever 
comment on them. Yeah, I would have liked that if... I like that take on it. Mm -hmm. I would have felt it more strongly if we'd learned anything personal about any of those folks. I would have I would have thought it was a good take if the documentary was made well. However, there are several <laughs> times that people are like clearly interviewing at their house like here. Yeah. And well, they're this like is a professional studio. And they're like, "Wow, can you hear my kid in the back room? Hang on one second. Let me go take care of my kid." And they don't like cut that audio. They just keep it in. And I'm yeah. like, that's not a good choice. I weirdly think that that actually furthers their, that, their notion. Their notion because we're, they're trying to leave the personal element. They're saying that through like the fact that they have a kid and a life, mm -hmm. but they're still trying to like further this room 237 crazy plot. But I also agree with you that, like, it doesn't... I don't know that much. I have seen this one once, so, like, take this for what it's worth. I've seen it twice. I'm an expert. <clears throat> I don't... I think if that's the take that people want to have, then I would need to know more about the people giving the, um, the interviews. And so, like, go with them to take care of their kid then at that point, I think is, is what I would say. Like, make it about the person, not about their opinion. Kind of like, I don't want that either. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at the new Steven Soderbergh film. The Laundromat? Yeah. It's been on Netflix for like two weeks, I think. It's on Netflix? I think so. Oh. I need yeah. to live in a place with Wi-Fi. Yeah. When do you get back to Wi-Fi? Tonight. Nice. Um, there you go. All right. Well, let's jump in. Let's let's do, jump into the lighthouse. Jump uh, in the line. What? Rocket body in time. Okay, I believe you. And so Beetlejuice is here. No, he's not. Uh, expectations. I hadn't seen anything about this film. I had seen a picture of Robert Pattinson standing next to Willem Dafoe. Sometimes Robert Pattinson is cut out of the picture. <laughs> and it is just Willem Dafoe. So my expectations were Robert Pattinson and... No, Willem Dafoe was definitely in it. Robert Pattinson may have gotten cut, cut out. Okay, good, good. Yeah, solid. Um, it was made by the Vivich guy. Uh-huh, Robert Eggers. Um, so I was like, well, you know, he's a nerd. <laughs> he, in fact, is. He's just, he's, he's just, uh, if you guys don't know, he's like a history nerd. Uh -huh. So he's like, we're gonna go back to these historical times and I'm gonna make a film. And that's that's him. He just hasn't gone to the the medieval times, which I'm glad for. Like, yeah. let's stay in these like strange times so we don't visit. And that's what he's interested in too, because he said out loud, he's like, I like going to this time period where we don't have the films and stories that we have are not the most historically accurate things, and I like to be historically accurate as best as possible with his research. And he's also said that if, if they asked if he would do a modern day film, and he's like. Sure, I could, but then, like, I would care way more about the wallpaper than I ever should, because it's just the wallpaper you get at Home Depot. Like, so I was like, I appreciate you. You'd still, like, care about the intricate details of everything. And that's what I really like about him as a filmmaker. Um, he's, he's 
it's because he's Kubrick. <laughs> he's he's a little Kubrickian, I guess. I think he yeah. almost killed Robert Pattinson in okay, this film. What did you? Because like I've heard this a couple times, but I've not found any articles. I or... feel like he actually just dropped him off of the top of the lighthouse. <laughs> that wasn't Willem Dafoe on the other end of the chain. It was it was Robert. Yeah, Robert was like the only person I trust to do this is Roger Eggers, and then Roger just dropped him. Robert Eggers. What did I say? Roger. Uh, Roger? Robert? What's Robert. What, his name's Robert? It's the same. They have the same <laughs> first name. <laughs> I I think... I, I don't... <laughs> um, <laughs> I I just feel like that's what happened. I, I don't know. I was watching this film and I was like, oh, I could see people dying here very easily. Well, they intentionally picked this island that has notoriously terrible weather. And he's like, yeah, well, we, we couldn't do this if we didn't have terrible weather. <laughs> so he's just like, go, Rob. Go out there. Wow. <laughs> Robert is in that time of his career. He's like, yeah, I'll do anything. Yeah. And now I think he's like, okay, wait. <laughs> Maybe I should just be Batman. <laughs> that seems safe. Yeah. And Willem's like, good luck, I'm gonna keep barking like a dog. Oh, yeah. What is happening? Willem was moving in this film. He was. <laughs> he, he had it uh, going on. Yeah. Um, Josh, I got some questions. Yeah, what's up? I'm a little confused. Before you get there... Um, my expectations, I haven't said them out yet, loud yet. You would love um, this film, because Rod- Robert Eggers is your favorite film director of 2016. I mean, sure, he made my one of my favorite films of that year. Yes. Um, I like, I like that, I like the bitch. Uh, I like the idea of this. I didn't see a trailer very intentionally. Um, I think the one time it came on in a movie theater, I did the, like, eyes closed humming thing. Oh, you, you didn't uncut gems it when yeah. you watched it 85 times? <laughs> no, because I knew I wanted to know less is more about this. Well, Josh, if um, you watch it over and over again, you don't learn anything new. Fair enough. You just get to see. Uh, so I was excited about this film. There. Okay. Questions. Let's go. Um, so is Willem Dafoe a Kraken? Okay. <laughs> No. Okay. I don't think. Okay. I'm, 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 my questions are answered. Thanks, everyone. If you want to get in touch with us. Can I tell you the thing that I really love about this film? Because I don't I don't think this film is as, like, totally successful as The Witch as a film. Um, that being said, I love both films. Um, when looking up The Lighthouse, I don't think there is a correct interpretation but i think we're all just wrong (laughs) i think that there are easily like three or four interpretations that you could layer on to this film and not be like a hundred percent off base uh one of them could be that everything you're seeing is literally happening one of them could be that nothing that you're seeing is actually happening one of them is like this is a complete one hundred percent, uh, like Greek parable and of mythology, and like, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to look at this entire piece, and and that's one of the things that like I simultaneously really like about it, and simultaneously holds it back a tiny bit for me, um, just in that sense of, I like open-ended films, I really do. 
but I wish that there was just a little bit more here to like help guide me along to what it is that the film was actually getting at and going for with its bonkers ride. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, uh, I said, I think I texted you, I was like, buckle up, because this film is bonkers. <laughs> um, and then someone at the movie theater asked me what I thought, and I don't know how to answer that question for regular people. <laughs> they then proceeded to tell me that they didn't like Hereditary, and then I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> this may not be for you. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So that, those are my thoughts. If you're a regular person, I don't know how to tell you if you'll like this or not. I think... Oh, I don't know if I gave this a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I don't think I said anything. Uh, you, you gave a very specific if you like something recommendation. <laughs> if you like to be challenged by your films... I think that there's something at least in this movie for you. If you just want to go to something and turn your brain off, then this might not be the best film of all time for you. Um, I would definitely say that even if you like to be challenged by films, this film may not work for you. Yeah, let me tell you something. It's a, yeah. it's a little slow at first. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, but then when it gets there... This was a film where you were like, can me and Anne come with you? And I was like, no, I need to pay attention. <laughs> a, this film was in black and white. That means pay attention, y'all. <laughs> B, it's by the Vivich guy. And that film's like, pay attention, y'all. Uh-huh. Three. <laughs> it was a slow burn. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of it kind of ramps in there like real quick. Um, it's a slow burn the way of like a roller coaster starts you up on a hill and then like does like seventeen back to back loop to loops. Well, yeah, but you gotta get up the hill. Oh yeah. Um, what I mean by a slow burn is that in the first fifteen minutes. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that let me say. People who are watching films on streaming stuff. Fair, Or fair. renting. You know, if those first 15 minutes don't hit you, you get off the roller <laughs> You're like Steven Spielberg. Get off the roller coaster at the top. Yep, there you go. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, could, I could easily see people being like, that film was boring. I didn't get through the first 15 minutes. And it's like, just wait. Um, I think... Reminds me of Phantom Thread. The first 15 minutes of that were just eating breakfast. I mean, who doesn't love to eat breakfast? <laughs> so I think another really thing that could keep people at arm's length of this film is, so not only is it black and white, it is very specifically filmed in a unique aspect ratio. Um, so the best way that I can describe it... was it, like looking at my iPhone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, that was gonna say, it's like, if you look at something, you watch an iPhone video in, like, landscape that has been filmed in portrait. Mm -hmm. Um, the old way to describe that is on the TVs that you used to get something that was, like, 
full screen and widescreen. This, this is, is filmed thin in screen. full screen. This is like, thin screen. <laughs> it's just the, the the black bars are on the very side of the film. He does something with that with the with the vitch, doesn't he? To make the trees taller. He might he might go in a wider as a longer aspect ratio. There's something different about it because yeah. it, cause it has to do with the trees. Um, the trees. <laughs> I speak for the trees. Um, I'm not Danny DeVito. <sighs> There are other Loraxes. Um, I don't know any of those Yeah, that's names. fine. Uh, the aspect ratio that he uses here helps enclose the film. It very much helps to give you this feel, this almost claustrophobic feel that you're tight in with these characters the whole time. The other thing that he does is he's very inspired by 20s and 30s silent film and early sound film and he specifically uses these camera lenses and you can tell by some of the angles and the way that the faces are distorted a little bit um to give this almost silent film-esque very old quality to the movie and what he's doing is so the film takes place in the 1890s and by him doing these cinematic techniques that are common to the 1920s he's trying to put you almost in as close of a time period as you can so this movie feels like it could have actually been made in the period that he's setting it in. And and that's something that I really, really appreciate about this movie. There are times where you see the wind and the rain and, and the storm is crashing against the, the island and the waves and all that stuff. And it, it it's just done this way where it looks a little sped up at times. It looks a little out of sync at times. And all of that is very intentional to the style that he's trying to put on screen here, this classic era of film, and it helps build this world. Um, he also gets Defoe and Pattinson to give pretty big performances, uh, specifically in their eyes. There is definitely a shot for each of them where I'm like, are your eyes gonna pop out of your head? Like, are you okay? Like, I'm worried about you in this moment. No, I don't think they were okay. I think it was... <laughs> I think that he terrorized his actors much like a Kubrick. <laughs> ah. I mean, both Defoe and Pattinson have said, like, good times. <laughs> Would recommend. <laughs> so, for whatever that means for them. <laughs> I, they ate a lot of dirt. Uh, my... <coughs> my imagination, because, like, I just didn't want to believe that, like, Defoe was actually eating dirt in that. It was is... Oreo crumbs? It was Oreo crumbs! I was there. I was with you. You're I such was... a child. <laughs> Yeah, no, you said you were, like, happy for adult conversations, and I was like, where? What? Trivia. Oh, okay. There were other people there. True story. Um. Megan was almost there with you. I know. Um. Seagull. Good seagulls. Good seagulls. Good seagulls. Yeah. You know, it's been a while since we've had, like, a really good seagull performance since The Shallows. I just can't think of another seagull performance that's really stood out. Do you think it was the same seagull? It's not Steven Seagull. Seagull. Because Steven Seagal has an IMDb page, and the IMDb does not credit any of the seagulls. Uh, there's definitely good seagull acting. Uh, I like, there's one scene where, like, the seagull's, like, standing in front of the door, and, like, Ropat and it have, like, a standoff. Yeah. Good times. Uh, that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good time. That was... Okay, you've mentioned... I love seagulls. <laughs> you love seagulls. Um, that there, this movie is hilarious and has fits. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's hilarious. Would you <laughs> go so far... As to say it's a comedy? Yes, it's the best comedy of 2019. <laughs> okay. That was my question, is would you go so far as to say it's a dark comedy? Um... No. No. I would not say that. Because I think that overall it's much more of a psychological look into yep. our yep. psyche. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's a t- journey through madness and Roger Egger, Robert, Robert Eggers, his, Roger sounds so much better. Roger Eggers. Robert Eggers understands that he needs to have these moments of levity in yes. order for us to not, like, get so worn down. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think that that's where and how the comedy is being used here. Um, the journey, it's this, oh, sorry, no, no, hang on before I switch. Uh, the film itself, I was, it's so hard to categorize. Like, where would, okay, so you have, you have a, where would I categorize The Lighthouse? Where do I put it? Kylie points to (laughs) rom-coms. I mean, listen, it is the best bromance of 2019. I'm with you. Um, It defies genre in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, you have a... There's a real safe bet called drama. Yeah. We're just... just, ah, You go here! (laughs) Yeah, I, I feel like drama... I feel like here is the only reason it's going to end up in horror. And I don't think it's a horror film by any means. I think that it is the closest that it is is that it's a thriller. But if I just put it next to The Witch, I'll remember where it is. All right. Um, do we want to try to talk about the plot of this at all? Um, the plot. Yeah, of the lighthouse. Ropat is at a lighthouse, <laughs> and Willem Dafoe. Is like, I'm the keeper of the lighthouse, you're my servant. Do all these things. And then we get to see Ropat's arms, and we're like, alright, you're working on that, Batman. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, and then Ropat just slowly goes into madness. Yeah, the descent into madness. Yes. And then um, he starts drinking, and then things get worse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then does. there's a mermaid, and Willem Dafoe killed a man, and he killed a man. Who'd Willem Dafoe kill? The previous person that Ropat took his job. The previous yeah. Ropat. Yeah. He finds the head in the lobster cage. Oh, that's true. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was on board. I, I yeah. understood everything okay. that was going right. on. Um, and then um, Willem Dafoe is Poseidon in a shot. In a shot, yeah. Which confused me. There are two other reads of the film that I've heard. Oh, that... Willem Dafoe is Poseidon and is... It's that... Robert Pattinson's in hell and we're... he's That's one of them. for his sins? That's one of them, is that he's attuning... So, like, the story that Robert Pattinson tells uh, about the guy that he killed or something um, as a lumberjack. Yes. Um, I want to see and that movie. This is think him of, think in, of all the arms. in hell attuning for his sins and that when he dies, so to speak, um, that he will just inherently then reset the adventure. Like it'll just keep going. Cause this is his hell. Uh, the other argument is, 
is that in some way, shape, or form, you could read this as if this is his own form of purgatory, uh, that actually Willem Dafoe is is Robert Pattinson and like this like the whole like journey that he takes goes through and like it's kind of a cyclical cycle of his own psyche. I don't know if I believe any of those things either. Um I don't that's again like that's what I I really like looking at this film because there's not a right and I don't believe there's a correct interpretation because there's also this whole thing where like you could see in terms of like Greek mythology, he is um oh man, I'm trying I'm blanking on the character's name, but there's one that is chasing the light, um, and like his goal is to like is to touch the light, and when he touches the light, he is therefore then punished because he got too close to God. And then Willem Dafoe ends up being the godlike figure, um, and um Prometheus? I want to say it might be Prometheus. Um, that might be the mythology that I'm thinking of. Um, I think so. But anyway, you could read that myth onto this as well as that that the Ropat character is a Promethean figure chasing the light in this kind of same way that that story does, and then he's punished for trying to attain the light. Um, I think there's just, there, there's a lot going on that you could say is this film. Do you think Willem Dafoe has anything to do with that crazy? Well, yeah. Like, he's, he's intentionally, like, spurring it up in him? Yes. Why? I'm not saying that, that I'm not, I'm just saying, like, why, like, what, what, like, why would Dafoe's character do that? Do you... Because... It gives him power. Oh, I like that. Over Robert Pattinson's character. Yeah. Um, their their relationship throughout this film is uh, magnetic to watch. Yes. And as you're watching it, it's like, at first, Robert Pattinson won't give in to the vices that um, Willem Dafoe asks him to. And then when he finally does, that's when their relationship is at its best because... He now has full control over Robert Pattinson, and right. then when Robert Pattinson starts to try to break away from that, well, that's when that's when it gets that's when it gets bad. And so I think that I think that Willem Dafoe is just wants to be have control over something, which is also why he bars him away from the light itself because that is yeah. a power he can hold over him. Um, within that, then, do you think that there is anything in the light? No. <laughs> no, okay, yeah. If I think there's something in the light, because I took a lot of those, like, flashes of, like, the Kraken and the mermaid uh -huh. and everything as to be in Robert Pattinson's mind. So if I get to the light and I finally believe that the light is something that's real, I can no longer think that those other things aren't yeah, real. I think I'm with you on that too. And so the ending is actually very confusing. The last shot of the scene is, or of the movie is very unclear as to what is happening. The well, light, not the last last shot, but the light. No, the last last shot. Where the birds are eating him? Yeah. Okay. Just like... How did we get from point A to point B? 
Um, however, I guess that you can you don't have to read that one literally either. It can be metaphorically of the man who is in his own torment now. Yeah. And so even like that can be read as a metaphor. Um, I think there is for me when I'm looking at all of this, I don't think that either character is totally in their right frame of mind from the get-go, from the jump of this film. Um, they've both done things in their past that I think they're trying to maybe escape from by being alone on this island. And then when you put together the fact that their ship doesn't come in and that's when it all starts to fall apart... I think that a lot of the hallucinations that you see in the film are just that. Um, Willem Dafoe's character tells a story about his partner um, believing in these mermaids and these sea creatures. And then in the bed itself, uh, Ropat finds a uh, mermaid figurine. And I think that that's where a lot of the illusions and, and stuff, delusions, will come from in the film. Um, I don't... I, I think for me, having a more literal read on the film, meaning that anything that you see that's not within the realm of reality is a hallucination, um, or some form of, eventually they just start flat drinking kerosene. So, like, they cannot be in the most healthiest frame of mind. Um, I think that, 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 to me, it furthers the idea that if this is some form of purgatory... It is a self-imposed purgatory and that their own actions are almost atone that's how they're atoning for their sins you know and, and I think it's a really interesting look at these two characters and these two things I agree with you that they have a really magnetic chemistry like even when the Ropat character is trying to like get that distance from Willem Dafoe he's just he's just being pulled in there's something about Dafoe's kind of like salty sea captain where you're just like this this is engaging and like this is something that I want to be in in, in partnership with and Oscar <laughs> I want you to be right Josh However, is my narrative of this getting an Oscar nom better than my Joker winning it all oh yes Yes, absolutely. Joker's gonna win it all. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's it's gonna it's gonna win hair and makeup. That's what it's gonna win. Josh, Black Panther, they nominated it for a bunch of things. They're gonna nominate Joker for a bunch of things. Yeah, they nominated a good movie for a bunch of things, and now they're gonna nominate Joker for a bunch of. They things. nominated bad movies for a bunch of things. Also, don't act like it's so out of the Oscars realm. I'm not. I'm not acting like it's out of the Oscars realm. I'm just saying that like I'm real disappointed we have learned no lessons from our past sins ergo green book winning i understand um yeah taxi driver's gonna win this time yeah right yeah there we go it's not actually taxi driver um the king of comedy is gonna win oh this yeah time. there we go yeah not that either because it can't have any societal commentary that film makes me so mad. Um, then why do you have a poster? I don't. <laughs> Anne does. <laughs> you gave it to Anne. Well, yeah. Well, maybe she'll like the movie and she'll want to keep it. She'll have to see it first. Yeah. Oh, I tried last night. Do you have a, like a favorite moment of the lighthouse? My favorite moment of this film. I got two. 
Um, Willem Dafoe with an axe is pretty funny. Willem Dafoe with an axe is my is like number one, where he's like chasing him, and then he's like he's pulling the Bropat's pulling the boat out, and he's like, "Don't leave me!" And he's so like emotional and vulnerable as he's wailing an axe at him. Yeah. Oh, it's good times. I really like the scene where they're dancing. Uh huh. That was a good time. <laughs> um, I also love the. I also uh, like. I like your cooking. Though I like your cooking scene was the other one that I was going to reference. Um, because that monologue that Defoe gives is brilliant. It's just spot on. I loved it. Like I could watch that for days. Light Oscar. I, I hope so. I think Brad Pitt's winning the Best Supporting Actor Oscar this year, but I hope Willem Dafoe wins. I'm gonna say something. Yeah. I'm. Willem Dafoe has paid his nickel. He yeah. deserves an Oscar. He does. Brad Pitt has been off the grid, making Allied for a while. Okay, Allied is one <laughs> movie in a valley of naked not not a lot. <laughs> Brad Pitt also has this same narrative though. Like it's not same and similar of like. He's been doing good work solidly, but, like, Brad Pitt for a long time was, like, one of Hollywood's guys. Mm -hmm. And recently he's transitioned, and he hasn't really even gone off the radar in terms of Hollywood's, like, life. He's just not been an actor. He's been a producer for a little bit. So, like, they have a really similar narrative. I agree with you that I want it to be Defoe. I think... Here's one of the other reasons I think it's Defoe. They nominated him for Eternity's Gate. I think that they want to just give him an Oscar at this point. Wouldn't you think if they wanted to give him an Oscar, they would have given it to him last year? For Eternity's Gate? Over, they gave it to Mahershala again, this time for Green Book. False. He wasn't supporting actor. He was lead actor. No? For Eternity's Gate? Oh, I'm sorry, yes. You're on the wrong Sorry, year. I'm on the wrong... No, I'm on the wrong category. Sorry. Um, okay. I thought they were... My brain had him in supporting. He is in lead. You are correct. You are correct. Who'd they give it to lead to last year? I don't know. Oh! Rami Malek! They gave it to Rami Malek! I don't know, Josh! People like Queen, okay? <laughs> if they wanted to give it to Willem Dafoe, they would have given it to him last year. God, they would have given it to him during the Florida Project. Who beat him? 2016? 2017 Richard films. Jenkins for The Shape of Water. It's another actor who, like, has a career's worth of work. It's time for Willem. Let's hope. Willem, 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 Willem. <laughs> Willem's main competition is Brad, so... I'll just get rid of Brad. You know what? Here's what I think. Here's what I will at least say from my own personal opinion. Yes. I'm glad that there are two performances that I actually genuinely really love that I think are going to be the top two contenders this year. And honestly, if either of them won, I'd be okay with it. And then uh, Christoph Waltz for Elite Battle, Battle Angel. Angel. Yeah. Who's going to win actor? Is it, is, is it Adam? <laughs> Just give it to Adam. If I, Josh, if Adam Sandler wins Best Actor, if Adam Sandler gets nominated for Best Actor in Uncut Gems... Are you just going to lose it? I will probably... I don't, I don't even know what I'm going to do. 
trying to think of who like the contenders are for best actor this year. I know Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin and Leo are two of them. Okay. Here's what I'm remembering in my brain right now. And two of the podcasts that I listen to, uh, there is like it's a very tough year for best actor. It's a tight race. And then every time I'm like, who? Who is in this race? I'm gonna look it up. I'm well, it's here. a tight race because no one's there. Um, Taika okay. Watiti for Jojo Rabbit. I think it's supporting. Uh, I think they'll push him up. Bale and Damon for Ford versus Ferrari. Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. Adam Driver for Marriage Story. Um, De Niro for The Irishman is he looks like he's a contender. Oh man, you're right. Uh, Ruffalo for Mark Water. I forgot the for Irishmen. Waters. We're gonna all the Irishmen. They'll be nominated for supporting actor. Them popes, both those popes, two popes, all of them. What? Have you heard of this film? No. Jonathan Price and. Uh, Mr. N.A.R. himself, Anthony Hopkins, uh, are in a film where they play two popes that have a conversation. Okay. Them popes. Um, Will Smith for the genie in Aladdin. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Um. Oh, listen, Adam Sandler's on this list. He's in the leading contenders. But there's like ten people in there this year, which is like usually not there. Josh, the comeback kid. We all love an underdog story. <laughs> Taryn is too far down. Taryn is in strong contenders. Come on. Get him up there. Josh. I, I, I'm sorry, but he's not going to get nominated. I know, but I really want him to. He may get a Golden Globe for musical or comedy. Yeah, that's probably likely. Yeah. And then Adam Sandler will win. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Murphy for this Dolomite is my name movie. Real Pat's on this list. For what? The Lighthouse. Okay, well, sorry. He was also in High Life that some people liked. <laughs> My, I realized that what I said was very aggressive and I take it back. For what? What rope What, film? Josh? <laughs> they also have Defoe as, like, are they going to run him as lead also? And I'm like, no, he's supporting. No, he's a supporting actor. This yeah. is about Ropat. Yeah. Alright, um... I, I didn't finish High Life, but I'm going to. I will watch it at some point. I want to. Alright, Kylie, any final thoughts on The Lighthouse? I, I, I recommend. I, I give it like four and a half. I like it. A lot. This is my number two movie of the year. Nice! I think it's top ten for me. Nine. Nine? I looked at that and I was like, hmm, interesting proportions. I think I put it right after the, the farewell. farewell, which is where it is on mine. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. My top six are films that I genuinely really like. Um. Top seven, and then after that, it's like, yeah, I like that. And then it's just a deep fall. <laughs> and then it's scary. a well of nothing. Yeah. Honestly, by the time you get to number thirteen, it's just like, yep. Films that I had a good time watching, but I don't feel the need to go back to. I think that might be 15 for me. Listen, Happy Death Day to You is still in my top 20. so It's in my top 10, so fight me. <laughs> so we should all just go watch Happy Death Day to You? No, you should go watch Russell. Oh, 
What is wrestle? You you remember hoop dreams? Uh huh. Okay, yeah, but like now it's wrestling. Like professional wrestling? Nope. Okay. Like no, it's like hoop dreams, but with wrestling. Like Greco-Roman wrestling. Is that not what that's called? The high school wrestling? Is it not Greco-Roman wrestling anymore? Like that thing? Well, it's just called wrestling now. Oh, okay. I mean, that's just the style that it's based on, I guess. Yes. Okay. I wasn't trying to break your brain You're there. You literally make me want I... You know what? You are Willem Dafoe. I was watching this and I was like, there's some real Willem Dafoe vibes as you stab me with an axe. Kylie, that's the nicest thing you've ever said. Oh, I have a beard just And like... then some days you're the seagull. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I stand up to you. Mwah. No, yeah, you just stand up to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was something about Robert Eggers that I found in this film, and I thought, huh, are you going to do this with all your films? Where he's like, don't kill the seabird. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, he kills a seabird, and then you're like, oh, everything's gonna go down. Because the, the Vivich has something very similar to it, because she's a self-fulfilling prophecy, because she's like, I'm the witch of the woods! And then you're watching that, and you're like, oh, I guess you're gonna be the witch. Also, because I know how fairy tales work. Yes. Well, and the witch is very specifically a, a fairy tale. Yeah, because there's the, the two main archetypes in there. She's a, or not even an archetype, but a plot device is that she's a, a, a self-fulfilling prophecy and he's a false the father's a false prophet and so you kind of once you figure that out you kind of know the the endings for both of them yeah and that's something kind of similar with the lighthouse although not as a parent in some ways but as soon as he kills the seagull you're like oh it's gonna get a lot worse. I mean, that is the film's essential inciting incident. Like, if you want to look at the structure of the piece, like... Yeah, he killed a seagull, so now you get to burn in hell. Yeah, there you go. Um... There's also another weird theory that, like, maybe the seagull is... Black Phillip. Maybe he's just got a Black Phillip character through all of his movies now. No. I, I'm also not on board with it. But. I did not. Um, I like this film more than The Vivitch. Nice. I'm sorry. That's You don't have to be. I'm sorry. You don't have to be. To society. No, you shouldn't be. Like, you like the, the great... Do you want to elaborate on why? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> great. <laughs> like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're both equally well-made films, and I think that, um, if you... I definitely could say that, like, either film is better than the other, depending on personal taste and preference. Like, absolutely. This, um, film was less... graphic <laughs> in some of its horrifying elements. There are some real tough moments in the Vivich that I'm mm -hmm. like, ooh. Uh, Never again. <laughs> um, like the crow. Yeah. Those children skipping. 
we can't let those two together ever again. Ah, uh, just like the kid being sick on the floor and be like, ah! and then yeah. you're watching it and you're like, oh, God. yeah. No, I, I hear that. I definitely hear that as well. I think the only mm. reason why for me that I like The Witch a little bit better is I think that it comes together. The commentary is far clearer. It's a little clearer. Um, yeah. this is also that's also a much more straightforward film. Yeah, this is. Um, this is a twisty turny maze. And I don't mind the twisty turny maze element of it. Mm-hmm. I just felt like when I got to the end... You needed a little bit more. I needed just a tiny little nugget to, like, say, like, why were, why did we do this? I like that we did this. It was crazy. It was fun. For fun. But, like, <laughs> why did we do this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so these, yeah, the lighthouse. Yeah, it's great. Coming I love it. Coming soon to yeah. a theater near you. We're already in a theater near you. Josh, if we get Parasite, can we put it on this list yes. and just screw whatever we were going to do that week? <laughs> For the most part, yes. Okay. Though I think that that might be Dr. Sleep. <laughs> Alright, friends. Let's do the Planet Hollywood game. Jackie Chan is famous for his martial arts movies. Why don't you name some martial arts movie? The Master. Um, Enter the Dragon. Hero. Return of the Dragon. Ip Man. The, is that the Ip Man? Yeah. Um, Kung Pao Enter the Fist. Rush Hour. Um, uh, John you Wick. There you go. There you go. I was gonna be, why don't we just name Jackie Chan movies? Um, I don't think I could do that. Okay, Joshua. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Joshua R. Darby. All right, friends. Well, if you want to join this conversation, the third. and why wouldn't you? You can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes if it's a five-star review or any star review. As well as hit that subscribe button. That helps, us, <laughs> that helps us get more <laughs> listeners. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at DWT underscore podcast. YouTube. Sex Watch Together. Tumblr. Sex Watch Together. Letterboxd. Jarby ACT and Kylie Gallisher. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Josh. I am Kylie. Quack, 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 quack.